So you can open your Bibles to Mark chapter 12, verse 13. Thanks, Sam. Paying taxes to Caesar. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinions. For you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they brought one, and he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled to him. Morning, everyone. My name's Jared. Um, if you haven't forgotten me, I'm the pastor here at HWC. I was away last Sunday um, and you had Campbell Markham here, so I'm very grateful to Campbell for coming to preach. I'm just going to put this down. It's wonderful to be back. Um, I thought I'd start by just telling you a little bit about my trip to Queensland. I think I've got some pictures. Uh, if we could please put those up on the screen. Um, oh yeah, that, that one just before, that one, I didn't take that picture. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be cool. But I did take this one. Uh, so we went to Brisbane, so myself and Donovan Morling, who's a pastor at uh, the, our mother church, so Maidavell, Wesley Prezi, we went across to Brisbane where we got to go for our National Assembly, which is where all the elders um, of the, the churches around the country get together and make decisions. So that was us at uh, dinner, um, so there's Don and I, and then... Uh, there's Don and I as well. You can see we're having a great time. We, we got up to a lot of fun stuff. If you show us the, the next slide. <laughs> we were, <laughs> uh, it happened to coincide with the NRL's magic round. <laughs> and so we made a trip to Suncorp Stadium, which was a lot of fun as well. Um, and then, but I think there's one more. Yeah, so that was us in the, in the, in the actual meetings. So we got to think about, uh, reflect on God's love for us. Uh, we had devotions every day. Um, pray together, spend time hearing about what's going on in the other churches and sharing what's going on in our church. And people prayed for us, which is encouraging to know that we've got people praying for us. And um, and we also just got to spend time with, with other elders and find out what's going on in their church. Um, so do, do pray for our brothers and sisters over East as they are um, doing much, much similar things to what we are, trying to serve the Lord Jesus and, and encourage people in their faith in Him. And um, yeah, we praise God for an encouraging time. Um, it was it was a tiring time, but a good time. I think um, I was with people nearly all of the time. And um, yeah, I I think I'm an extrovert, but uh, I, I I have a, a I have a limit as well. <laughs> um, but but yeah, no, it was it was a wonderful time. So thanks for uh, sending me. And um, I'm gonna I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna get uh, stuck into today's passage. So will you join me as we pray? Father in heaven, thank you for your grace, thank you for your love, thank you for your word, thank you for uh, the Lord Jesus who has come to save us. Thank you that you have sent your spirit. I pray that you help us to understand what it is that you are saying to us this morning uh, in Mark's gospel in this passage about paying taxes to Caesar and what that has to do with God. Help us to see uh, what this means for our lives and we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right. So, um, Don, who was on the trip with me, uh, he's he's a very ge generous guy. Uh, if you know him, you'll, you'll know that. Uh, he, he loves to lend books to people. Um, so, 
I actually have one of his books at the moment. I'm still, I'm still reading it. Um, but when I finish it, I intend to give it back. Don, Don's lent lots of books and um, he hasn't always gotten them back. <laughs> um, and so the, today we're going to be thinking a bit about giving back what we owe. I'm not, I'm not asking you to give your books back to Don. That's <laughs> it's between you and him. But, but, but just get, get into your mindset of thinking about if, if we borrow something, um, then, then, we, then we give it back. It's, it, it still belongs to, to someone else. So I'll give you the example of, of Don and I. Don lent me this book, um, which is about ministry, and I've been reading it, but I haven't finished it. Um, the book still belongs to Don, right? It's not, it's not my book. It's his book. Um, and so when, when I finish it, um, I'll give it back to him because it belongs to him. So if you just keep that in your mind, that'll hopefully help as we work our way through today's passage. It's going to be thinking about giving back what we owe. So today we, we begin by seeing two groups of familiar bad guys uh, that we see in Mark's gospel come up a few different times. So we have the Pharisees in the one corner, uh, who are kind of the, the religious bad guys in today's story, and the Herodians, who are sort of the political bad guys. And um, they, they, they're basically the, the high up, well-respected people of the day. Uh, the Pharisees and the religious side—they—they—they uh, they, they were all about outward righteousness, you know, ticking religious boxes, making sure that every every uh, I was dotted, every T was crossed, uh, and outwardly living in accordance with what what God had said in His Word. And so they they had this outward observance of um, religious rules, and they 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 used that to judge other people. They they would use that to look down on others and um, and make them out they make themselves out to be better than they were. Um, the Pharisees also wanted a, a Jewish king. They, they wanted someone to come and uh, restore uh, the, the, the Jews to power. And, um, but they didn't want someone who would challenge them, who would challenge their way of thinking. They wanted someone who would affirm them with all of their double standards um, and not pose any kind of challenge to them. So that's, that's kind of like the Pharisees, the religious um, people who were... Uh, these, these Jewish rulers who were all about rules and regulations. The Herodians, on the other hand, um, they were kind of like the political elite. They, they followed a guy called Herod. That's where they get their name from, Herodians, the Herodians. Not that they were all called Ian, but just that they, they followed Herod. Um, and the, Herod, if you didn't know, was the Roman ruler of that time and place. He'd, he'd kind of been appointed um, by the Romans to rule over much of the land that the Jews uh, lived in. And um, the Herodians thought, well, let's, let's submit to, to Herod and the Romans because if we do that, we get a lot of practical benefits. Uh, you know, safety, security, they're not going to come and kill us. Um, even, even if that means selling out to the Romans, oh, well, at least we're not dead. Uh, so that, that's, those are the kinds of two groups that we've got, the Pharisees and the Herodians. Now, these two groups didn't really get along. You've got uh, Pharisees who are all about the, the religious stuff and, and the Herodians who are all about the political stuff. And they didn't really see eye to eye on a lot of things. If you, if you think about for the Pharisees, they would, they would kind of think, well, we've got to tick every single religious box, even if our heart's not in it. That's kind of a way of thinking about them. Whereas with the Herodians, they were probably more like, hey, why don't we crack some religious eggs to make a political omelette? Whereas, <laughs> so on the other side, they're, they're less concerned with keeping the, 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 the boxes and, and checking them. Uh, and things maybe to the Herodians may seem a little bit more gray, but uh, again, at least, at least, you know, the Romans are kind of not killing us and, and we're, we're allowed a little bit of freedom. That's, that's the kind of 
the difference. So you can see that their, their worldviews are very different, aren't they? they? They come at things from a different perspective. Um, either it's, it's all about religious rules or it's all about political uh, being okay and, 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 and safety in an earthly sense. And so while they didn't see eye to eye on most things, uh, these two groups were pretty much enemies, they did see eye to eye on one thing. And there was one thing that brought them together, and that was opposing Jesus. They, they were united in being against Jesus. Uh, we see that in that first verse there. Um, and they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. So these, these two enemy groups come together in their opposition to Jesus. And so this is, this is the third time that we hear of them together in, in Mark's gospel. Mark's gospel being Mark's biography of the life of Jesus. And um, he said way back in chapter 3, uh, in verse 6, the Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him, that's against Jesus, how to destroy him. That is how to destroy Jesus, how to kill Jesus. So way back in chapter 3, these two, these two groups had got together uh, and, 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 and joined forces in opposing Jesus. In chapter 8, verse 15, Jesus cautions his disciples saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Uh, now, leaven, oh, let's grab this. Um, if, if you imagine, say, say this is a glass of water, if I drop some poison in here, the whole glass, you're not going to drink it, are you? It's got poison in it now, so... Oh, it doesn't, but if you imagine, it does. Uh, you know, the whole glass is tarnished, right? It's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's not, not good food for drinking anymore. Uh, the leaven illustration is pretty similar to that because leaven, if you have a little leaven, it leavens the whole lump. So leaven, uh, I think, is like yeast. So if you've got like, say you've got unleavened bread and then you put a little leaven in it, it's no longer unleavened bread. It's all, it's all now leavened bread. So that's, that's the similar thing with the, with the glass. So the Pharisees and the Herodians, Jesus tells his disciples, watch out for them because they have this like toxic, contagious opposition to Jesus. And that's essentially what, what that was the second time they mentioned. And the third time, which we just read, um, was that they've come to trap him in his talk. So these guys who hate one another um, are united because they hate Jesus. So to sum up their alliance, you could use the, the famous phrase, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Um, maybe you've experienced that in sport. So to give you an illustration, you might see sometimes people have signs up in their shed that say something like, I support two teams, Australia and anyone playing England, <laughs> or, um, or Frio and anyone playing the Eagles, or vice versa, the Eagles and anyone playing Frio. Uh, so essentially, that works like I, I, I'll support my team, and then anyone who's opposing my enemy team, I'll support. So you can kind of see how they, they joined together because they, they saw Jesus as their ultimate enemy, and they thought, well, hey, if, 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 if the Herodians are also an enemy of Jesus, then they're my friend. Or for the Pharisee, or for the Herodians, if the Pharisees are also an enemy of Jesus, then they saw them as their friends. So they kind of come together despite all of those differences because of a mutual hatred of Jesus, which is really, really uh, sad. Um, so when they arrive on the scene, uh, we know that they've come to catch Jesus out. Mark tells us as much. He says that they've come to trap him in his talk. Um, but if you remember back to earlier on, in Mark's biography of Jesus, 
they've this is not the first time they've tried this. They've tried again and again and again and misery, miserably failed every single time to try and catch Jesus out. They they just they just can't seem to pin him down. They no matter what they do, they can't catch him out. Um so but they that doesn't stop them trying. They they keep persisting in trying to catch Jesus out. Despite all of the evidence pointing to Jesus really being the king and really deserving all of their uh, all of the recognition and the praise and the glory, uh, they want to hold on to their old lives so bad that they don't want to recognize Jesus as king, that they'll join up with people who are their enemies to to fight against Jesus, uh, and they'll do whatever they can to oppose him. They they the Pharisees like their way of doing things, you know double standards, doesn't matter where your heart is, but tick the, the boxes. They, they liked that. They thought it was a pretty good way of living. Uh, they thought it, it made uh, for a pretty good uh, lifestyle, uh, being dead on the inside, but outwardly getting recognition for being uh, righteous. They, they loved that, and they got stuck in their self-righteousness. Similarly, the Herodians, they liked their way of doing things. Uh, they, they liked having Herod as king and Caesar as king. Uh, in contrast to Jesus' claims to be king. So, as they come to trap Jesus in his talk, uh, they start to say some things that sound nice to begin with. They sound, at least to begin with, nice. Um, some of it sounds like a backhanded compliment, um, but, but some of it does sound nice. But don't be fooled. Uh, they haven't changed their tune and sort of thought, oh, we've done the wrong thing, let's come and repent uh, and, and trust Jesus. No. They, they haven't done that at all. They've actually come with extra cunning. They're trying to trap him. They're trying to be deceitful. And they're trying to just be extra cunning in catching Jesus out. So have a look with me in verse 14. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true. That sounds nice. Um, and do not care about anyone's opinion. Well, there's the backhanded compliment. <laughs> For you are not swayed by appearances, um, or the Greeks, you do not look at people's faces, uh, but truly teach the way of God. Again, that sounds, sounds like a compliment, which seems surprising from these guys. And they ask these questions. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? Uh, see, see how they, they push him for a yes or no, a yay or nay, a positive or a negative? I'm running out of contrast to those, but yeah, they, 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 want, they want to push him into either you're going to say, yes, yes, we should pay taxes to Caesar, or no, we shouldn't pay taxes to Caesar. And they really want to push him into one of those two camps. Why? Because they think they've got him on the question of taxes. Uh, that's how the US government caught Al Capone, and that's how the Pharisees and Herodians think they've caught Jesus. They think they've got him on the question of taxes. I'll just explain to you what the two options, if you imagine. Remembering the, the religious uh, people who are um, all about rules and regulations, the Pharisees, and you've got the Herodians who are all about uh, political uh, life going well for them. Uh, so if, if you imagine in the question of paying taxes, if Jesus says, yes, pay your taxes, uh, the Pharisees, the religious guys, could say to him, hey, look, you're not being religious enough. You're, you're, you're saying we should, we should acknowledge the rulers of the day instead of acknowledging God. Why, why are you trying to make it out as though these earthly rulers are, are, are all, all that? So that the, the Pharisees would condemn him uh, if he said, yes, pay your taxes. Likewise, if he says, no, don't pay your taxes, 
the Herodians, the political guys, would condemn him. They would say, you're causing an uprising against Rome. You're, you're challenging uh, the king. You're challenging Herod. You're challenging Caesar. Uh, look, we, we're going we're gonna to hand you over to the Romans. And so you've got this situation where they think either way, they think that they've got him pegged. They think uh, wrongly that he's damned if he does and damned if he doesn't. They think that if, if he says, yes, pay your taxes, well, the religious guys are going to come in and, and, and take him away. If he says, no, don't pay your taxes, that the political guys are going to come in and take him away. So either way, they think they've got him pegged. But Jesus sees right through them. And Jesus knows their hypocrisy. That's the word he says uh, here. It says um, in verse 15, but knowing their hypocrisy. Um, now, hypocrisy is a, is a big word. It basically means uh, the opposite of practicing what you preach. So you say one thing, you do another. You expect stuff of other people that you don't expect of yourself. Not having integrity, acting uh, in a compromised way there. Um, Jesus not only knows their lack of integrity, he calls them out for it. And Jesus says to them, why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. So he challenges them for putting him to the test. Jesus knows this isn't some friendly inquirer just wondering, hey, what, what should we do on the question of taxes? What would be the godly thing? No, that's not what they're asking at all. They're, they're wanting to bring Jesus down. Remember they've had from chapter three, their minds set to destroy him. They want to, they want to kill Jesus. They because he poses such a challenge to their religious and political ways of doing things. So Jesus says, why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. Uh, so they go get him the coin. Uh, oh, whoops. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk about this in a moment. Um, and a denarius was a day's wage in their day and age. And that rhymes, so that might be easy to remember. A day's wage in their day and age. Um, for a laborer and Jesus, Jesus gets the coin um, and he holds it up and he says, whose likeness and inscription are these? Uh, or whose, whose image and imprint are these? Whose face and whose name are these? Um, and so they reply, Caesar's. Uh, it was clearly Caesar's face and Caesar's name on the coin. Um, and so just like how this coin has Queen Elizabeth's name and face on it. Um, Queen Elizabeth II, that is, has her image and her inscription, her name, her face. And now Jesus gives the most amazing answer to the question that they've asked. They're, they've been trying to catch him out. They think they've got him, um, but they haven't. And Jesus gives this awesome, amazing answer such that they marvel. Uh, just see at the end of verse 17 there, at the end of the passage, and they marveled at him. Jesus stuns them. They don't, they don't know what to do? They can't make, I just thought that, heads or tails. <laughs> what, he's, what he's saying. Um, I heard an audible groan. That was good. <laughs> I'm a dad. I've got two young kids. So dad jokes in training. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're, they're struggling to, to, to understand what, uh, the, like, how. how like they, 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 they think they've got him. And then Jesus shows, no, you, you don't have me at all. You, you don't have me pegged. Um, and so what does Jesus say? What's this answer that he gives that exposes all of their religious and political opposition to him for what it is? He says, render, which is, which is a big sort of word. We don't really use it all that often. It's kind of like give back or pay back. Um, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Uh, that is the things that belong to Caesar. 
and to guard the things that are God's. That is, give back to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give back to God what belongs to God. So regarding your taxes, uh, don't fudge your tax return. Don't lie to the ATO or the ancient Near Eastern equivalent. Pay back what you owe. Um, give Caesar his coin back. Uh, it belongs to him. It's got his, his image and his imprint on it. But give to God what belongs to God. So the question we then ask is, well, what, what belongs to God? What, what is uh, the things that are to be given to God? If the coin bears Caesar's image and imprint, his face and his likeness, who bears God's image and imprint? Well, have a read with me or listen to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then in Ecclesiastes 3.11, he tells us he has put eternity into man's heart. And then in Psalm 24.1 and 2, he says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. So there are three uh, key verses there. Um, the first one tells us that we, humanity, each and every one of us here, each and every person who's ever lived, made in the image of God. We bear the image of God. Like the coin, uh, like this coin has Queen Elizabeth's face on it, we're made in the image of God. And like this coin has the imprint of Queen Elizabeth's name, or the coin there had the imprint of Caesar's name, we bear the imprint of God. He set eternity in our hearts, a longing for eternity, longing for forever, to spend forever with him that nothing else can satisfy. We can look for satisfaction everywhere in our world, but nothing is ever going to satisfy uh, this longing for eternity that God has put in our hearts. So we bear his image. We're made in his image. We're made as relational creatures, rational creatures, creatures who relate to God and to one another. Um, like, like he is relational and he's made us in the in that same way. He's also the ruler of the world and he's made us in his image to rule under him. And so we, we see that we, we bear God's image, each and every one of us. We, we bear his image. We're made uh, to, to, to represent him in this world. And we have his imprint upon us, this longing for him and longing for eternity. And so we also see, like it says in Psalm 24, that the whole world and all the people in it belong to God. So each and every one of us, each and everything belongs to God. And well, the reason given, why? Because he made it. It, it belongs to him because, because he created it. And um, yeah, the, when, you, when you read those, those early passages, you see God's awesome power in making everything out of nothing. He spoke it into being. He is that powerful and awesome. And so we have here, Jesus calling us to give back to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, but not only to give back the things to Caesar that belong to him, but to give back to God what belongs to God. And what belongs to God? Us and everything in our world. We belong to God. He made us. He made us in his image. He put his imprint on our hearts. He put a longing for him in us. And so Jesus commands us to give our lives to him. Uh, we, we belong to him. Everything we have is a gift from him. Even our own 
very lives. So Jesus uh, commands us to give our lives to God. It's, it's not like he's, he's indifferent as to whether we, we do or not. He wants us to. He's, he's giving us this command uh, to, to give uh, to God the things that are God's. That, that's, that's the only right response, to give to God what he has given us. We, we spoke earlier about um, the books that Don's lent, um, and I still remember I need to give Don his book back. But God has made us. We, we're, we're not our own. We, we, we actually belong to him who created us. And so we're called to give ourselves back to him. And so if you've never given your life to Jesus, then I ask you today to do it, to give your life to the one who gave his life for you. Jesus made us. He made us in his image. He loves us. He cares for us. And he's the one where we will find true satisfaction forever. Face to face with him. If you, if you put your trust in Jesus, simply turn and trust in him. Turn away from doing things our way. You know, the kind of like our equivalent of the religious and political opposition to Jesus. We turn away from that to trust Jesus as our savior and king. Then we have life forever with him. We will be face to face with him, rejoicing in him forever. So if you've never done that, to, then, I, then I ask you to do that today. Jesus is calling you to do that today. And if you have given your life to Jesus, uh, then Jesus is calling us to give every aspect of our lives to him. Uh, we need to ask ourselves, am I holding anything back? Uh, Am I, am I, are there things in my life that I want to hold on to that, that are not right? Maybe there's a sin in my heart or maybe there's, there's some kind of uh, unforgiveness or, or just hatred towards other people or uh, greed or wanting things to be my own way. And if we, if we examine ourselves, we see these areas of our lives where we haven't fully given ourselves over to Jesus. But everything belongs to God. Um, uh, the, the, the coin bears the image of Caesar. We bear the image of God. We belong to him. And so we are to give our all back to him, to not hold anything back. Um, maybe, maybe you might be thinking, well, that seems a bit extreme. Why can't I just have like, you know, go to church on Sunday, maybe go to Bible study on Wednesday, but why does it have to affect my whole life? Why can't I hold some stuff back for me, you know, just for, for my own enjoyment? Why can't I hold anything back? Well, Jesus didn't hold anything back. Jesus gave his all on the cross. He didn't give part of himself or bits of himself or some of himself. He gave his all on a cross to save us. He gave his life in our place. And he did that out of his love, out of his kindness, out of his mercy and his goodness. And so he calls us to give him our all. He doesn't want a bit of us or some of us or part of us. No, he wants all of us. He wants your whole life. He wants my whole life. And he wants us to give it over to him, to surrender it to him. And as we live the Christian life, uh, even as I've been working on this sermon and thinking about this sermon, I've been seeing more and more areas of my life that I need to give over to Jesus. Uh, we, we, we will see that as we walk with him. We see more and more of these areas where we haven't yet given over our lives to him. And when we see those, we need to recognize them, to confess them, and to just give it over to Jesus. To say, here, here you go, Lord, I'm all yours. I trust you. Here it is. Whatever it is, I, I give it up. It's yours. My life 
all, my all is yours, Jesus. And that can seem kind of scary if you think about it. Uh, that sort of, we, we have this, this idea that we have control over, over our own lives, that we know uh, what's going on and, and, and we feel like we rule our own lives. Um, we feel like we're the captain of our ship um, and it can feel uncertain or scary to try and hand things over to Jesus. We feel unsure about relinquishing that control. But really, that control is an illusion. We, we aren't in control of our lives in a total sense. God is in control of our lives. He is the, the Almighty One. He's, he made us. He's planned our, our lives out. He's, set, he's numbered our days. We, he's got our, our lives uh, already planned out. And so there's an awesome relief in giving ourselves over to the one that we belong to, the one who loves us, the one who gave his all for us. Not, not just part of us, not, not, not giving half-hearted, uh, lukewarm kind of respect or uh, honor to Jesus, but going to Jesus, thank you that you gave your all for me. Here is mine for you. In, in gratitude to him saying, here I am, Lord, take me. Have mercy on me, in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you made us. Thank you that you have come to die to save us. Thank you that you rose again powerfully from the dead, defeating sin and death and the devil. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave your all for us. Forgive us when we've given you half-hearted affection, half-hearted love, uh, where we've fallen short, Lord. And we, we, as we walk with you, we see it more and more every day. Have mercy on us, we pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you gave your all for us. Lord, take us, take all of us, and make us new in you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.